Hello, welcome into this third edition of Rangers Rumblings Podcast. I'm your host, Hayden Smith. You can always find me on Twitter at B-U-H Money. If this is your first time listening, you haven't missed much. This is only the third episode ever. So anyways, this is a podcast mostly centered around the Texas Rangers. From time to time, I will talk about other things going around Major League Baseball. Uh, For example, last week, I talked about Jose Bautista and what I thought of his contract demands uh, and how he was kind of ridiculous for having them. So if you want to check that out, go back, I guess, one line on iTunes or SoundCloud or wherever you're picking this up at. And if you like what you are listening to, go ahead and retweet it or share it in in your circles. I would love to just have more people involved in this because this is a one-man podcast, and so the more voices, the more feedback, the more just people involved with it, the, the better it can be. So I always love to exchange ideas, especially about the Rangers, because there's a lot of things going on, especially this time of year when there's a lot of roster, um, I don't want to say flexibility, uh, and uncertainty. There's a lot of roster uncertainty, and especially when you're getting down to guys who are going to be your 23rd, 24th, and 25th man on the roster. And I guess that's a good segue to uh, into this next segment, um, or our first segment, and what I'm expecting to be the only segment of this episode, is what the Rangers did to address their outfield situation. Now, you are probably very, very, very well aware that Josh Hamilton... His knee was barking uh, even before he got to surprise this spring, and so he's on the disabled list and won't be back until uh, the beginning of May at the soonest. You can really never be sure or take anything for granted when we're talking about the health of Josh Hamilton. And left field was supposed to be a a position of a lot of uncertainty for us in the first place. Um because even if Josh was healthy coming out of the spring coming out of spring training you know how many games can his body withstand is he going to be able to play 100 games is he going to be able to play 80 games uh, is he going to be able to pit, to hit left-handed pitching all of these questions um, and when he does play is he going to be effective there there were just so many questions around Josh Hamilton and in a way we kind of get to I guess exchange all of those many questions in exchange for one big question when Josh Hamilton goes out because now it's instead of what about Josh what if he does this what if he does that now it's just like what are we going to do since we don't have a left fielder and I feel like I made my thoughts pretty clear about what I think the Rangers should have done in terms of just keeping everything in house I feel like we have Ryan Rua and Justin Ruggiano Patrick Kibblehan um we have James Jones, and then coming up the pipeline pretty soon, who might be just pounding down the door in AAA, you have Lewis Princeton and Nomar Mazzara. And I just really felt like out of that group, you'd be able to find a guy, at least, that you could throw out in left field, and it'd be okay. I don't think that we're going to win the pennant because our left fielder was only replacement level, or we're not going to win the pennant based off of that. There's a lot of other things going on, so... It was a hole in our in our lineup and a hole in our field, but not one that was a, just a gaping hole. I feel like we had enough options to where one would emerge better than the rest, and that's way better than having to sign another guy like an Austin Jackson or a Will Venable uh, that I wasn't too excited about. And then 
having to to clear somebody off the 40-man roster and just it would just be easier to keep it all in-house. Well, that got flipped on its head this past weekend, as I'm sure you've heard, is that the Rangers have signed longtime Washington National shortstop Ian Desmond to come in and be their full-time left fielder. Yeah, so I did not uh, see this coming. I don't think anybody did. Apparently, Josh Daniels reached out to Desmond early on in, in the in the offseason and said, hey, if you are interested in switching positions, then we are definitely a team that we want to be in, in touch with you. And as the winter went on, Desmond did not have a home. Pitchers and catchers reported. Position players reported. Ian Desmond still unsigned. And he was part. that's partially probably due to the fact that he had the uh, he had denied he had declined the qualifying offer, so whichever team signed him had to forfeit a first round draft pick. And also, Desmond was coming off his worst season of his career, where he for the entire his entire season of 2015 he batted 233 and was only able to slug 384. And this is a guy who is. Uh, he has hit a lot of home runs in the past, especially from the shortstop position. He's a 20-home-run-a-year guy. And so the market really dried up for Ian Desmond, who's also 30 years old and has been in the decline for the last three seasons. Um, he he was at his highest in 2012. He was an all-star where he stole 21 bases, slugged 5'11", and it just the future was bright from there. And then the consecutive three seasons, he decreased in his batting average, his on-base percentage and his slugging percentage, um, all the way down to his quote-unquote rock bottom uh, in 2015. So what's going on here? What are the Rangers thinking? Um, they signed him to a one-year deal for $8 million, and they also forfeited their first-round draft pick. So uh, we do not pick at number 19 overall anymore. Our first pick will be at number 30, which is a... Um, a compensation pick that the Rangers got for losing Giovanni Gallardo to the Orioles. And we also do get somewhat of a of a salary relief. I'm not the guy to go to when we're talking about MLB draft and all that stuff, but from what I can understand, the slot f the slot uh signing bonus for the number 19 pick was around 2 and a half million dollars. So by signing Ian Desmond and forfeiting that draft pick, we are also forfeiting the obligation to have to give somewhere around $2.5 million to a player. So uh, there's talk that maybe that little bit of salary relief was able to convince the ownership group to, to go ahead and give the okay to sign Ian Desmond. So let's talk about Desmond. What, is, what are we getting? Because this is a guy who spent his entire career in the National League. He was drafted by the Expos in 2004, brought up through that farm system, and he was the starting shortstop for the Nationals from 09 until last season. And he wasn't that great of a shortstop. Uh, we're talking about somebody who, unfortunately, had really just become lifeless at the plate. And he was also not bringing it with the glove like Omar Vizquel might have, who you know is not going to be a great power hitter or anything like that, run producer. But he will save you some runs out in the field. Ian Desmond didn't really have that going for him either. He his 162 game average for his entire career is 26 errors per season. So not exactly setting the bar high over there. And as you know, as we've already said, he's coming in to play left field full time for the Rangers. Uh, his outfield experience is seven and a third innings, all in right field. And most recently, he played one third of an inning in right field in 2010. So 
awesome. We're he- kind of heading into an unknown. But um, John Daniels and the ownership group and the management here will tell you extensively how they feel like Desmond is an athlete who shouldn't have any problem adjusting to the outfield, who in fact they think will be a plus defender, uh, even better than just an average defender. And um, yeah, so Ian Desmond is 30 years old. He's got a lot to prove. And I think that a lot of people will say, well, you know, hey, he, he kind of got humbled because he turned down that $107 million contract offer a couple of years ago. And so now he's playing for eight. And, you know, what a fall from grace for him. He's going to really play hard this season, and he's going to just shoot his value up way through the roof. The, th- the problem with that theory, which I think that it's valid to a certain degree, but the problem with that is that he was in this exact same position one year ago. I mean, he was a free agent at the end of 2015, and he went up and, you know, he slugged 384. He was not very good, and he so he had his worst season ever, his last contract season. What do you? Th- why do you think that in this coming contract season he's going to be I- any better? So I don't know if that holds so much weight with Ian Desmond because he's already kind of fallen flat on his face and been kind of a disappointment in that regard. But this is a guy who is one season removed from three straight 2020 seasons where he hit 20 home runs and stole 20 bases, which is awesome. Those kind of guys are not really around that much. Um, These guys who are going to be fast athletes, and they're also going to be able to to hit the ball a little bit. Now, that's not as impressive coming from a left fielder as it is a shortstop. So hopefully Desmond will be able to hit a little more into that left field position rather than hit like a shortstop. Um, because tr- that 2020 season is, it's hey, it's pretty good coming from a left fielder instead of coming from a shortstop where you say, oh my gosh, wow, that guy hit 20 home runs and he's playing shortstop. Um, so my thoughts on what the Rangers were supposed to do here before I heard about this was obviously to go with what we had in-house, whether it be Ryan Rua, Ruggiano, uh, Kivlahan, somebody like that, or maybe even Mazzara just blows the doors off in spring training. Well, I really like this signing after not liking it initially. And part of that is because I believe that Desmond's floor is much higher than that of Rua or any of, any of our other players that we have in camp right now. Uh, because even though last season... Uh, Desmond was not very good. He was still worth two wins above replacement, which, honestly, any of the other guys that were potentially left-field candidates for opening day, you could easily see them getting negative wins above replacement. So with Desmond, you kind of have less of a risk of failing, and and with the moves that this front office has made, you can clearly see that we're kind of putting a lot of chips into 2016, hoping that it's going to be something that is really special and we can get a deep deep uh, postseason run and hopefully win a championship and that's definitely the type of team that they've constructed at this point so not only is the floor higher for Desmond and you don't have to worry about maybe losing some games or losing some critical at bats to a guy like Ryan Rue who may underproduce um, you know you have a guy who whose floor is higher but his ceiling is much higher as well uh, Ian Desmond could bounce back and he could be just a, a star who hits 20 to 25 home runs who you know bats you 270 and plays some good defense out there, and that would be huge in extending the lineup uh, for this team and, and just making it so it wasn't so top-heavy and where a right-handed bat like Elvis Andrews doesn't have to bat fifth or sixth. And, you know, there was some, uh, there was some promise that, you know, maybe Desmond was going to bounce back from his 
his recent regression over the last couple seasons. And in August, he actually was able to bat 314. He got on base to a 375 clip, and he slugged 539. So he, his OPS was over 900 for the month, and he hit six home runs, which is which is great. It seems like a renaissance for him. And then he followed that up with a punchless September-October where he was only able to hit 220, and he struck out 41 times. So there's like... <sighs> I don't want to say that there's a high-risk, high-reward part to this deal. I think the reward is extremely high. I think the risk is moderate. I think that the risk is that Ian Desmond comes in and he continues his regression, and he is kind of a replacement-level player who will get you one to two wins. Cost $8 million, but I like the signing overall because you're not going to win. I just feel like you have a greater chance of going – doing something exceptional with Ian Desmond rather than with Ryan Ruett in left field. Does that make sense? Um, the floor is higher. I think that's just a great way of looking at looking at it. And another benefit of this move is that it allows us to not have to feel rushed in the development of Lewis Brinson or Nomar Mazzara. And I know that we're all really excited about those guys and we're really excited about Mazzara and what he was able to do in this first spring training game. But the the point is is that these guys are extremely young and we don't want to feel forced to just rush these guys up let's say if your replacement level uh, if if Ryan Rua or Kivlahan or whoever you throw out there in left field isn't getting the job done Mazzara is having a good you know first 3 weeks in AAA I, do you bring him up even though maybe he's still not ready or you know, it, it just really makes the development better i think that uh it will probably calm down those guys quite a bit, knowing that maybe there's a there's kind of a log jam a little bit in the major league level, and they don't really exactly have to prove that they are ready for the major leagues. They can just continue to go about their business and get better every single day and not have to worry about uh, advancement, so to speak. Um, another another huge plus with the Ian Desmond signing is that he obviously ha brings some versatility. If he's going to be able to play left field. He's obviously also going to be able to play some shortstop and some infield um, because that's where he spent the last seven seasons, which I know that Jeff Bannister will be able to exploit that and use that to his advantage uh, when he's getting creative, when he's giving guys days off, uh, when he's doing some late-inning substitutions, bringing in pinch runners here and there, all of that stuff. So I really like that. I actually I also think that it, it, it brings up a fascinating um, dynamic to those 25th and 24th roster spots that we're talking about. Uh, what do you do with the rest of the outfield picture? Um, now you have a guy who's in left field. He's never played left field before. The guy that you thought was going to be a lock to make the team and be the a really nice platoon option in Justin Ruggiano, well, now you basically got somebody to take his job full-time in Ian Desmond, who's a right-handed guy who's playing left field. So what is Ruggiano going to do? Is he going to get most of his time in at first base, a position that he's never played before, as he platoons with Mitch Moreland, who can't really hit lefties that well. Uh, what's going to happen? Are we going to is are we going to go with a guy who can play the four corners like Ryan Rua or Patrick Kivlahan? Uh, Kivlahan can play center field as well. Does that mean that you can leave him in as your fifth outfielder and hope that he can back up Delano to Shields, and then you get to keep Ruggiano as your backup left fielder? Uh, James Jones is bats left-handed. Do you want a left-handed guy out there who can play center field? All of this stuff that I think will sort itself out in spring training, but it is fascinating, especially also when you consider players who have options, who don't have options, 
So there's a little bit of kind of a butterfly effect with the Ian Desmond signing is is how does it affect these other guys? And one guy that I didn't mention was Elvis Andrews. And there's a lot of people who think that this signing will kind of get a fire under the butt of Elvis Andrews so that he'll, you know, I guess finally produce at the level that they want him to and all that stuff. Uh, I don't really think that's the case. I mean, sure it is a little bit, but I don't think that Elvis is in danger of losing his, his shortstop job because t- uh, uh, for a number of reasons, one of them being is that it's not like um, Desmond was killing it over at shortstop. He made a lot of errors. I would rather have Elvis out there with the glove than Ian Desmond. And then once they're both in the same batting order, it doesn't really make a difference either because Desmond's going to be hitting in the left fielder spot. Um, and then there's also talk that, well, maybe this is just a huge um, first domino falling in the fact that we can finally trade Elvis Andrews. And I don't think that's the case as well because Desmond is 30 years old. He is signed here on a one-year deal. Uh, I think that either he plays really well and improves his value significantly and he's his price will be way too high for us, or um, he will play not really well and we don't really want him back. In addition to that, if we were to trade Elvis, it would be with Profar in mind, not with Desmond in mind. Because, like I said, Desmond is 30 years old. Profar is 23. He just turned 23 last month. So I just really don't think that this has too big of an effect on Elvis, except for I think that maybe the most immediate impact is that it will allow him to bat 7th or 8th or ninth in the batting order rather than 5th or 6th because we have another uh, run-producing right-handed bat. And just the final that I want to bring up about Desmond is that in stark contrast to Josh Hamilton, Desmond has been extremely reliable. Um, in the five of his last six seasons, he's played at least 154 games, and uh, the one season that he did not do that was actually his all-star season in 2012, where he played 130 games, and he missed time due to an abdominal tear. So he's, he's durable out there. He's somebody who can, you can rely on to be healthy. And hopefully this change of scenery and this change of ballpark and all of that stuff will help him to um, kind of reclaim some of his skills from the past. And, and I think this is an extremely Rangers move, uh, one that nobody really saw coming, one that uh, maybe stretches the imagination a little bit to make it work. Uh, but I think that it's something that ha- it pans out more times than not. Oh, and then I guess one final, final note is that um, from all indications from, from his former teammates and from, from other guys who have played in the league at the same time as Desmond is that he is an extremely high makeup, high character guy. So he's somebody that is not really going to be a, uh, a locker room disturbance, unlike Lance Berkman, who was here on a similar one-year deal a couple years ago, and he was the worst. Lance Berkman was the worst when he was a Ranger. So Desmond, by all accounts, should be, be a great leader in the clubhouse. He's a veteran who's played for seven seasons. He knows what it's like, so um, I'm excited about Desmond. I, I truly am. I did not see this coming. Uh, nobody saw it coming, and even when I saw the rumors about it, I thought that there was no way that it would happen, and yet here we are, and we'll just see what happens. I think it's going to be fun. I think it makes us better in 2016. I think that it has the potential to make us better long-term by delaying the um, the call-up of some of our best prospects and allowing them to to keep getting better and to keep developing in the minor leagues. And hopefully we just see Ian Desmond riding in the front car of our World Series victory parade in late October or early November. So let's just run down some quick Rangers notes. Uh, Spring training game started today. The Rangers actually defeated the Royals. Uh, Colby Lewis got the start, and he pitched 
okay. He, I mean, he's just really there to just get his work in, but he pitched two scoreless innings. No more Mazzara of note went three for three with a home run and four RBIs. Justin Ruggiano and Bobby Wilson both went two for two. And Holland goes tomorrow against the Royals again. Um, you can catch the game tomorrow on MLB.com. They're streaming the radio feed. And uh, the first game that you're going to be able to watch with your eyeballs is actually on March 10th, which is next Thursday at 2.05. Uh, you can catch us playing the Ch- Chicago White Sox on Fox Sports Southwest or MLB.tv. Um, Luke Jackson has been shut down for two weeks with a stress reaction in his back. He says that this kind of happens to him every spring, um, but the Rangers were kind of alarmed about it. And the fact that he's uh, play- he's going to have a bigger role this season with the big club they just want to be extra cautious and just make sure that it doesn't develop into some kind of fracture or anything like that. And then finally, there's just something of note that I saw is that MLB Network, they they released their 100 best players across baseball. And so I thought I would just, you know, just look through it and see see where our guys rank. You have Adrian Beltre comes at n- number 24 and Prince Fielder as the 82nd best player in all of baseball. And that was it. There was no mention of of you Darvish, no Cole Hamels, there was no Sinchu Chu, no Rugnan Odor, none of that. So I thought that was pretty funny. I thought it was pretty funny that they have Jose Altuve at the number 12. I, I Man, Jose Altuve is a good player. I would like him on my team, but he's not the number 12 player in all of baseball. I mean, you're talking about uh, Kershaw, Trout, McCutcheon, Harper, um, Arenado, uh, Machado, and then... I mean, you're 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 putting him in a, that class of Hall of Fame talents. I, I I just wouldn't go that far. They have him ranked higher than Zach Greinke. I don't know. I think that I mean it's just some dumb you know little ranking thing that doesn't mean much. But I think that it is kind of indicative of the way that the media has kind of fallen head over heels for the Astros. Um, they have you know their successful season at coming out of nowhere, competing way ahead of schedule last season. And now everybody, they're the hot pick to just go on and repeat as AOS champions. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. They actually didn't win the AOS championship last year. That would be your champion first place, Texas Rangers. So, I don't know. I think that people are too high up on the Astros, and they think that they, they've gotten so high, and they can never come down. And I just think that um, maybe the Astros aren't as good as everybody thinks they are. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong. Who knows? But... I'm just not super sold on the Astros. You're going to have to have more seasons of, of success than than a wild card berth in my book in order to just kind of be considered to be successful and to be the darlings of the American League West or the darlings of the American League or you know the team to beat for the next decade. I just think that everybody needs to pump the brakes a little bit on the Astros, and I think they'll be good. I think that they're going to probably finish second in the American League West, but I think that people need to just kind of temper their expectations a little bit and consider that a lot of teams can be good for one season. And I think that Astros fans would would probably uh it would probably serve them well to con- to consider that as well. Because a lot of them, man, back in like July and August when the Astros had been in first place for a while, man, you would have thought that they were the Yankees and they had 27 rings already. And then they had that whole thing with the come and take it and then the Rangers went ahead and just took it. That was awesome. That's going to do it for me on this episode of Rangers Rumblings. If you like what you heard, go ahead and like it, share it, retweet it, all of that good stuff. And 
You can find me on Twitter at B-U-H Money. My name is Hayden Smith. Thank you for listening, and go Rangers.